Lord, come by your spirit, I ask. Speak to our hearts. Transform our thinking by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, release us into a fuller experience of who you are. We might encounter you tonight. Know your love, your grace, and growing faith and obedience. In Jesus' name. I was, I think I was sitting in a coffee shop while I was on holiday, and uh, I can't remember where my wife was. She was with our friends, and uh, running up and down a mountain somewhere, or jumping off a mountain somewhere, or something like that. And I was doing what you do, I've been reading a bit, and I had a coffee, and I was mucking about on YouTube, not YouTube, but um, Facebook, just what, going down a couple of rabbit holes, you know, like you do, you watch a video and then you go, oh, what's the next one? And suddenly I saw a headline which said, unmasking false prophets. And part of me went, because I don't like those normally, because normally they go, and this man shouldn't be a prophet, and that woman shouldn't be a prophet, and, and then not nice. So I was about to flick on to the next one, and I got a real stop that said, no, watch that one. I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, are you there? Because, <laughs> of course, I wasn't praying. I was just on my way down a rabbit hole on Facebook. Watch that one. So I did. And you know when you have one of those moments where you go, Oh, just that the penny hasn't dropped, it's hit the floor and smashed all the concrete, you know. And you just go, okay. So it poked me. And it poked me to pray. Um, so I bring you the fruit of that. So tonight I'm going to unmask the false prophets. Don't panic, die. We're not. I won't start with you. You're fine. <laughs> Who are the false prophets in our lives? Who are those that speak into our lives that cause us to move away from Jesus rather than towards Him? We've all got them. We've all got them. I'm going to unmask three false prophets. Do you want the name of the first one? Fear. Fear. Number one false prophet. Anxiety. Don't care what you call it. Fear. Anxiety. It'll be nervous. Fear. That whispering thought. Oh, do you want the name of the major false prophet? Yeah? Look at the name tag in your own jacket. Because it's you speaking stuff into yourself based on your fear 
and a couple of other things we're going to talk about. I'm not doing this to go, uh, I'm just going, be aware. And we don't have to. What does fear speak to us? Have you had any anxiety or fear this week? <laughs> Off the scale. For me, this week. And it's not something I struggle with a huge amount. But boy, when it hits, it's, it's horrible, isn't it? It makes your stomach churn. Makes you wonder if you're going to manage the two-hour journey before stopping and needing to use the facilities. You know, but it does. There's fear. And what phrase always accompanies fear? Go on. Have a go. There's a, there's a two-word phrase that always, always accompanies fear. That's not a bad one. That's not a, that really is not a bad place to start. And for the phrase I'm working towards, we've got one word already. So on Wordle, we're, we're up. <laughs> if only I'd... Yeah, if only. Yeah. What if? What if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if I haven't? What if I haven't turned the gas off? <laughs> to use a simple one. You know, what if... What if, do you ever listen to the what ifs in your head? What if they don't like, you know, what if they don't like the design that I've done of the garden for them? What if, sorry, that's looking at Julie there. What if, whatever. It gets to us, doesn't it? It gets under our skin. The what if is always there. I've written down here. Fear causes... Is a cause, cause, I didn't write that down. I couldn't have spelled that. Our fear causes us to think our future lacks purpose. Or perhaps sometimes we don't have a future. Or our future isn't the best one that we thought it might be. Or things are going to change and therefore we're going to have... And we get fearful. And what are the most fearful things you do in life? Was it get married, move house, start a new job? I did all three of those in a fortnight when I was 24. That's stupid. We got married. I started my first teaching job two weeks later. And we moved house that week. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Stress always amplifies fear. Maybe we fear our future lacks peace. Maybe we're not well. Maybe the, we're getting to that age where, you know, the shoulders hurt when you reach for, reach for a wine glass. So that's a conversation I've just had. You know, and you're going, well, I'm not going to be able to as much as I used to. Appear my wife is a one-woman one mission to do the opposite at the moment because she's determined not to stop doing things, which is fabulous, actually. But maybe, you know, some of us have got things wrong with us. You know? I look at my mum. She was told at 27 that she wouldn't draw on an old age pension. Because she had a disease that was going to kill her before she got to 60. That's when you could get your old age pension at 60, back then. 
And she lived to 76. Well, no, she didn't. She didn't live, but made it to 76, because she decided at 28 she was dead, essentially. And fear ruled. So when I say fear hasn't affected me, it hasn't affected me because I reacted <laughs> to that, because I was flipping determined to live. Whatever. I wasn't going to let fear stop. But we've all got irrational fears, haven't we? Yeah? Who's frightened of spiders? A couple of people have put their hands up. Yeah, I'll, I'll go in there. Yeah, fine. Come on in, let's put it out. You frightened of spiders? Yeah, Paul will sort it out. be fine. <laughs> he does. <laughs> you know, my wife is so frightened of spiders that we were at Kirsten's house not that long ago and one of the false eyelashes called, caused Wendy to scream. <laughs> so, um, but when Wendy is about to jump off on the zip wire, off the t I am, my stomach has turned to water because I can't do it. How long will we be? We're going to put a sticky thing up there, aren't we? We're going to do it and so we can hang the banners up from the beacon. Oh, that's right. The thought of going, not even up there, but up here on a ladder. I can feel it now. Heights. Laurie, it's irrational. You're safe. It's fine. Yep. Nope. And that's the problem with fear, isn't it? It's not rational. Now, if a lion walked through the door and we all felt frightened, well done. <laughs> I think that's called sensible. And that's the fight or flight, isn't it? And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is most fears are, are irrational. I'm not going to have enough money next month. I'm, I'm, you know, church isn't going to have enough money next month. Whatever. The fear kicks in. That's false prophet number one. And we, we've got one John here. Hopefully. One John four. Johnny's on it. God is love. All oh, same letter. <laughs> God is love. And there is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out all fear. I'm going to have to turn around for the next bit. <laughs> I've got the first bit. Perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who's fear, who fears is not made perfect in love. And the thing is, you might not be perfect in love in your experience, but the love that you have, which is the love of God, is perfect. So the love that dwells in your heart by his Holy Spirit, that is his presence with you, is perfect. And that perfect love that dwells in you can drive out all fear. Fear is only ever agitated made live because we agree with it and when it's an irrational fear we agree with it without realizing or we agree with it despite not wanting to so i'm not blaming you i'm just saying be aware the fear that drives you look at the most successful people in life and they are the most broken people because they're driven by their fears they're driven by some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. They are driven to be the best they can. Those of us that, I'm sorry about this, but those of us that walk in our identity and actually go, we're okay. We are the best people we can be, but we're not as driven. So we don't quite make it to, I mean, look, look, one of the
the greatest footballers of the, of the last generation, Paul Gascoigne. Broken. Utterly broken. Tiger Woods. Broken. Some of the great musicians. Broken. You and me? Broken. Aren't we? <coughs> but we're in Christ. So we're whole. I don't have to make it. You don't have to make it. Christ has made it. Christ has made it for you. But the fear still knocks. Isn't it? It's just that's good. Well done. <laughs> don't listen to the whispers. Those of you that did you hear the whispers? What if? You'll look stupid. Don't do that. Old people don't do that. Don't talk like that. I'm glad Wendy didn't have the fear and and still preached the gospel yesterday. And at that rally they saw nearly 250 people come to faith apparently there are more today good then let's stamp out the fear don't listen to the fear the shame of the past and the fear of the future will never overcome those who are indwelt by the perfect love of God do you know who that's a quote from Number two, if fear is the number one false prophet, unbelief is the second one. This is where we have a false belief. Is God good? Does God cause illness? No. So God will heal you then, won't he? Not quite as... For most of us, God will heal you, but I'm not so sure about me. Come on, those of you that have been through bad illnesses, life-threatening illnesses, is God good? Has he brought you through? But our unbelief gets fed by lies. gets fed by the lies that well, God, God doesn't work like that. God doesn't do those things anymore. He did them 2,000 years ago, but he doesn't have to now. Now, there's a lie from the Christian world. Or, or the other side of the Christian world, God doesn't work like that because he's not God like that. That's the ultra-conservatives and the liberals all telling the same lie, weirdly. But the biblical truth is God is good and he heals. Because if he doesn't, he's not the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if he doesn't, then the perfect has come. I'm sorry, but I'm, have I missed the second coming at some point? Because that's what that's referring to. People say it's the scripture, but no, the scripture isn't perfect in that way. Jesus is perfect. And it's not until the second coming that all these things will pass away. Because when he comes again, we won't need them. Because he, he's come to wrap the whole lot up. Part of me wants to be here when that happens, and part of me doesn't. Part, well, I want to be here, but do I want to be here on earth when he comes again, or do I want to be part of the, the, the crowd of witnesses that comes with him? 
I think I probably want to be part of the cloud of witnesses. I think. I'd quite like to be here. Anyway. Unbelief. You'll never recapture the joy you had. You'll never recover from that sickness. You've got nothing to offer anybody. The world will be better off without you. Oh, hang on. We've gone to a dark place quite quickly, haven't we? Have you been there? Come on, let's be honest. Have you been there? I've been there. I'm not diminishing depression at all. I lived for 20 years with someone who had serious manic depression. My mum. Because she'd been told at 28 she was going to die before she was 60. I'm not surprised, really. And no faith to counter it with. And we know people around us who suffer from depression. But please, please, so please, I'm not diminishing it. And we all need the counselling and the help and all the rest of it. But, actually, I think one of the roots of depression for most of us is unbelief. Because we don't believe God can or will. Or we believe God, that's, that, actually it's probably, we all probably believe God can, but we're not sure whether he will. And of course that's down to identity. He'll do it for somebody. If, do you know what? 250 people come to faith in one day in Burundi. Yeah, hallelujah. It'll happen in Burundi, it won't happen here. Well, what, do you know one of the reasons it won't happen here, because we don't invite 250 people who are non-Christians to come to something to hear the gospel, to come to faith. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you know, we sort of need to do that. You know, unless it's the kids that. Um, thank you. Sorry, I had detonate in my head, and that's the that's the opposite, not the opposite. That's the alternative one, isn't it? Yeah. It's lighthouse. You know, but they had a chance. I was told by a church leader that preaching the gospel to children is child abuse because it's foisting our beliefs onto them. And not giving them. Are you glad they were foisted onto you, David, when you were younger? Because you grew up through Lighthouse, didn't you? Isn't it awesome? We wonder we'd have a generation below us that don't know the Lord and don't know the things of God either. Fear, unbelief. Fear that causes us not to or causes us to run away. Unbelief that may cause us to. Go deeper into depression. Do you, do you know what that, all this is trying to do? It's trying to get us to disbelieve the written, revealed word of God. It's difficult, but when we're feeling like that, there's only one answer. And that's to face the Lord. Oh, so we need to declare this, that, and no, we face the Lord. Are we going to read these bits of scripture? No. We face the Lord. James 1, 2 says this. This one I don't have to turn around for. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Really? Really? So, 
The joy is in the midst of the... There's only one way of doing that, that's facing the Lord, isn't it? False prophet number one, fear. False prophet number two, unbelief. False prophet number three, very closely connected, is insignificance. You don't deserve it. You're nobody. God might do it for them, but not for you. You're never going to get freedom. You know that thing you keep doing? Have you got that thing that you keep doing? Yeah? I'm not telling you what it is. But we've got that thing that you keep doing? And you've been wrestling with and you don't want to do? Well, you're in good company. Paul says, I don't do what I want to do and I do do what I don't want to do. You know, so Paul wrestled with it. You're in good company. But actually, if you don't believe you can ever be free from it. <coughs> you know what this cycle is? Wish Denise was here to do that. She's, she's flying in tonight. Um, you know what the cycle is of keep doing the thing that you don't want to do? Psychologists have a word for it. It's called addiction. You know? And if you have an addictive... Anybody have an addictive personality like me? It's all or nothing, isn't it? You know, if the packet of crisps there, the whole lot goes. Or I don't have a packet of crisps. For weeks. But when it's there, hold on, hold on. Or whatever it is. You know, not two squares of chocolate, but the whole bar. That's the 200 gram bar, of course, not the little. I'm using food, but it could be anything, couldn't it? We can be addicted to work, so we never get home. We can be addicted to crossword puzzles, we can be addicted to Wordle. Post about it every day. Oh, sorry, shut up. <laughs> I think I'm going to get something thrown at me in a minute. But you know what I mean? What is the addiction? And the problem is we want to break free. But if we don't think God can break us free, every time we think God can't break us free, we're, we're saying what was done on the cross isn't enough. Now, that's hard. But it's true. Sorry. Somebody if my, asked me tonight if my sermon was contentious. I said, no, but as radical and as disturbing as normal. It's not contentious, but it is quite challenging, isn't it? Hey, I wrote it down five weeks ago. It's been bubbling in me. I've not written this in the response to the last week. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? It's like the Lord knew what was going on. Anyway, moving on. The cycle will always perpetuate. I'll always be the one that is attacked. I've got to do this, otherwise I'm not anybody. All comes through our schooling, our how the way we were parented. There's a whole psychologist can tell you how. Jesus is the only person that can show you out. Of it. Colossians 1 2 says this. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, 
the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. What matters... That's the greeting from the beginning of the letter. Why is he quoting that? That's stupid. What do I want you to see in there? That you are brothers and sisters in Christ. There's all this stop. All this stuff stop you. That's why I nearly messed that one up. Does all this stuff stop you being in Christ? No. But you've got to realise that this stuff is still there when you are in Christ. That's the key. It doesn't stop you being a Christian, but it can stop you walking in freedom. That's why we do the living in freedom stuff. I don't do the living in freedom because I get a kick going up to Malcolm and going... Can I show you your sin patterns, please? Can I show you where the demons have got a hot... I don't get a kick out of that. You know what makes me excited? You know, sitting with um, Daniel and Sonia in the week and them going, oh yeah, let's do this then. And watching them. Not me doing it, them walking free of stuff. Sonia gave a bit of a testimony to that this morning. It's, I get a kick out of that. Do you know what gives me an even bigger high? When somebody realises they need Jesus and they turn to Christ and they become a Christian. There's nothing better. I want to be a midwife again and again and again and again and again and again. But I don't preach gospel apparently. And do you know what? I know those people that have said that are wrong, but there are moments when I'm not feeling good when you go, do I preach gospel? Am I? You know, and then I forget to do something, so Wendy's cross with me as well, you know. And Kirsten rings up and she's depressed because this and that at school. By which point, you know, I'm the worst church leader and the worst husband and the worst father in the world. And I'm, I'm glass half full most of the time, 90% of the time. Wendy will tell you, I'm glass half full, optimistic, 90% of the time. The other 10% of the time, I'm not even the glass might be a little bit empty. I am the glass is smashed and it's never going to be full again. Because I'm so optimistic most of the time. When I go, <laughs> if you're one of these people that does this, sorry, and goes around the middle, I'm a bit up, I'm a bit down, I'm a bit. Tell me how to do it, will you? <laughs> but I actually think most of us are more up and more down than we actually own. Insignificance. The next bit in Colossians 2. Put the glasses on. What is it, Johnny? 2? 2, 2, 8 to 10. There you go. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world, or the basic principles of this world. There's a, it, is it demonic forces or is it just the worldly structures? Can one of us an either or question? The answer is, yes. that's the issue, isn't it? For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Do you believe that? That in Jesus, 
God is fully God in him. That's what makes us Christians, isn't it? That we believe that. And in Christ, you have been brought to this same fullness. Oh, flipping heck. That's astonishing. That the fullness of God that dwells in Christ now dwells in you. Because Christ dwells in you by... This first... I don't like tattoos. If you've got tattoos, that's fine. I have got a problem. But I wouldn't have one. I'd, probably the pain of it all... But it, this, I would have this tattooed across my forehead. No, actually, if I put it on my forehead, I couldn't read it, could I? But I, I want it somewhere so I can read it all the time. That the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and Christ dwells in me. Therefore, I am full in Christ. Oh, we were talking about this at home group on Thursday, weren't we? I keep coming back to it. Not because it's on the Jesus ministry curriculum. Because it blows my mind and it's true. And I want, I don't want you to be like me, but I want your mind blown by these truths. Please don't be like me. It'd be very messy. You know, I'm the only one that can do a decent me and I can't do a decent you, so you get on with being you, all right? He is the head over every power and authority. And where does he dwell? So therefore, who is over the powers and authorities? We are. Because Christ dwells in us. We're not over the powers and authorities just because you're good. But because of Christ, we're over. Don't listen to the false prophets. Don't listen to the fear. Don't listen to the unbelief. Don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the insignificance. I know saying that is easier said than done. I love this phrase from the original thing that I heard. The false prophets are not in your headphones, i.e. what you listen to on the internet. But they are in your head. They're not the people who we consider dodgy, but they are the lies from the enemy. And please remember, the enemy is not people. The enemy is the enemy, not people. Did I make that clear this morning? Please gossip that one. The enemy is Satan. The fallen demonic power. Not people. And Satan wants to tell us lies. He tried it with Jesus. In the temptation. Doesn't the word of God say. But the word also says. Man shall not live by bread alone. But. Doesn't the word of God say, yes, but it says, do not tempt the Lord your God. He's using scripture to try and tempt Jesus. I mean, it does tell you one thing about Satan. He's an idiot. Because this is the son of God, who is the word of God. And do you reckon he therefore knows the word of God? Because he is the word of God. And Satan tries to use the word of God. But the problem for us is that it gets to us. Satan wants us not to believe the word of the Lord. He wants us to turn our back on truths. He wants us to actually come under his authority again and to disregard the Bible. It's happening too much. 
happening far too much. And I love this phrase as well. If your dreams with God are not big enough to scare the hell out of you, and of course it means scare the hell out of you, and scare the hell out of you, then you won't rely on him. I'm willing to be scared the hell out of me. Just some scriptures coming into land. Romans 5.2 Through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. There's a problem with boasting. One, it's verbal. Two, it's loud. Three, you look arrogant. But it tells us to boast in the hope that we have in the glory of God. Romans 8, this one's a bit longer. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against How arrogant of you? But it's true. If God is for us, who can be against us? If um, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Keep going. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. A bit more in there, yeah. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness, danger or sword. It is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. I'm sorry for the military language. But we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present, the future, powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And thank God for that. Do you want to go up a level? Want to go up a level? 1 Corinthians 15. 55. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. That's all right, I'm listening. You're fine. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that you labor. your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Don't listen to the fear. Don't listen to the unbelief. Don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the insignificance. Jesus makes all the difference. He gives us faith, which drives out fear. He gives us hope, which means we don't need to walk in unbelief. And he gives us love, which means we know we are significant to him. Faith, hope and love. And the greater of these is 
Shall we worship him? Lord, thank you. Where we're walking in fear, forgive us. Where we're walking in unbelief, forgive us. Where we're walking in significance, Lord, forgive us. We say tonight, we believe your word. Give us big dreams. And Jesus, be our all in all. We know you make the difference. <laughs>